Uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, it's good to be here. Um, like Brother Kevin says, it's first Sunday of the new year. I love New Year's. I love uh, I love all the dad jokes about seeing you next year. Haven't seen you since last year. Yeah. I love it. Never gets old. Uh, it never gets old, does it? Um, I like to go to the, the book of 1 Samuel, the 22nd chapter, as a way of introduction this morning. Um, I talked a little bit uh, last week about referencing us as being uh, soldiers, good Christian soldiers. And uh, there are a lot of military references and metaphors and mm-hmm. allegories, all those English words that you can use in the Bible that go to military. Um, and uh, I think that's by design. And uh, there's another term that often Christ is described as, and in here David is described as, as being a captain. And in the military world, a you know a captain is a very high-ranking, a very high-ranking office. And as a soldier, that's who we would answer to would be a captain. And um, and here in the 22nd chapter, David is um, hiding in a cave while uh, he's being chased by Saul, and he has uh, really nobody around him at this point. He's really all by himself, and. Uh, it says in the first verse, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. So here we have. 400 people that it says are in distress, in debt, and everyone that was discontented. And I don't think it, it's saying that to mean that these were just rebellious people that just saw an opportunity to get back at Saul and get out from under him. I think that these were, I think these were people that were suffering under Saul's rule and they wanted a, a David to be the captain over them, the calling of David. And uh, I, I believe that too because Psalm 142, they claim, is written while David is hiding in this cave. And in Psalm 142, he refers to the righteous encompassing him about. I think that's the term that he uses. Um, So these were, I believe, righteous people that were in very sore situations underneath Saul who needed uh, their true captain to be over them and to lead them out of it. And uh, this is also, we talked about metaphors and analogies, all that good stuff. We often talk about in the Old Testament of people being types and shadows of Jesus Christ. And David is oftentimes one of the highest that you can say is a type of Christ and things that he does. And uh, I think this is another example of that where it says he became a captain over them and uh, how he led them. Because in Hebrews 2.10, um, I can't remember exactly how it words it. This is talking about Jesus Christ. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So we, just like those people back in those days, had David as a captain to lead them through their distress and their hard times. Today we have a captain too. Amen. And it is uh, the captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ. 
And uh, another thing I thought was interesting about that word captain is that when I looked up the, the Greek word for captain, it can also mean author, captain, and um, I believe it's uh, prince. Three terms that are often used to describe Jesus Christ. The author and finisher of our faith, captain of our salvation, and the prince of peace. Uh, I, I just thought that was cool. So uh, I pray this morning as we go throughout the new year that we would look to the captain of our salvation. Who just like uh, those people in David who needed guidance and help. And those people, those 400 men, later on it referred to some of them as being uh, men of valor. It talks very highly about those men. And uh, I pray that throughout this year that maybe we can come before the captain of our salvation who will make us uh, stronger and mighty men of valor. Very, very well said, and and I'm, you know, uh, David is a is a great type of Christ, and uh, and I thought about the when he was talking about the the captain that uh, when <clears throat> when they finally reached the land of Canaan, you know, the promised land that God swore He would give to them through their obedience, uh, and Canaan is a type of the church, by the way, it's not a type of heaven, but it's a type of the church <clears throat> that when they passed over. The, uh, the river Jordan that there was a man with a sword in his hand and uh, Joshua ran to that man threw out his sword and said comest thou in peace or thou forced or against us and the man answered as the captain of the Lord's host am I here uh, and he told him take your shoes off your feet Joshua because the place thou standest thereon is holy ground that was the Lord himself so and, and, and that is a a great example that how the Lord leads us into his kingdom as a, as a captain with a sword uh, and gives us the armor to fight in this kingdom. And it, it is a kingdom. Um, and it is, it, and, and uh, not oftentimes do God's children uh, enter into it as they should. It, and it has to be fought for. It has to be sought first. And the only way that we can accomplish that is through the captain. You know, we have to follow the captain. We, we don't get to divert uh, to the left or the right because the captain's path is straight. Uh, and that's what John the Baptist spake of that captain, make his path straight. Uh, he, he, is a, <laughs> he is a one-way captain, uh, and it is his way. You know, you've heard the term, it's my way or the highway. Most time that, you know, when people say that, it, it's in, a, in somewhat of an arrogance uh, concerning the individual. In, in the TVA world, I ran into that a lot. <laughs> when he was working for folks, they said it was, you know, it's my way or the highway. Foreman would say it or, or the guy that was over you. And, uh, and you know, and, and you would, in reverence to them, as, as, a, uh, as calm as it was for an apprentice, you'd do what they say. But in this sense right here, the Lord is absolutely right. Uh, it is his way. Uh, it is the only way. And the Lord lays that out, uh, well said, Brother Cohen, that uh, the captain of our salvation leads us into the kingdom of God, gives us the proper armor to fight or to withstand, and the sword to fight with. So um, I want to go to the, uh, to the 19th Psalm. Um, and, you know, the, sometimes uh, preachers will revisit uh, certain sermons that they've, they've gone over in the past. Uh, this is this is quite often because sometimes as as you study the Word of God, it will 
it will actually stir up an old discourse that you have thought on and, and tried to speak on in the past. So some of these words may be familiar to you. I hope they are, uh, and, uh, but I hope to add to it. I hope to, uh, to, uh, to be able to, to speak to you today uh, on things both new and old, as, as I'm supposed to. In the 119th Psalm, uh, David says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Excuse me. <clears throat> I do have a, a cough. Y'all forgive me if one, once in a while I have to, have to cough. <clears throat> day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. And he rejoiced, uh, and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. He is going forth as from the ends of heaven, and is circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Now, uh, <clears throat> when David is describing this situation and these instances and these things here, uh, <clears throat> David is giving us a, a way to understand that that when God calls someone or something, in this case something, to glorify his name, to preach, that God would call that thing to preach the truth. And so when, when you know, I don't, I've never have thought that God has called men to preach an untruth. I think called men do preach an untruth, but that's not what God called them to do. Uh, and I think they, they have to fight with the scriptures and have to actually refuse some as, as they are non-existent in the, in the Bible because uh, uh, of their, their stance that, uh, that they're trying to uh, persuade people that really doesn't make sense. <clears throat> now, from the very dawning of time, I'm, I'm talking about from, from day one, or at least when the Lord uh, set... Uh, Set all this up that we see here at the end of the sixth day. Let's, let's put it there. The sixth day when the Lord rested and the earth and all the things that, that God created were set. The same sermon is being preached every day. God's, uh, <clears throat> God's glory and how God is seen and what he puts in this earth for us to see him will absolutely harmonize with the truth of the Primitive Baptist doctrine. There will be no refuting. There will be no uh, contradicting. Uh, because when God puts truth into something, which He is truth, it will, it will resound to the glory of the Creator. It will show forth who God is and who we are. And, and, and God does this and has done this from the dawn of time before the New Testament gospel was ever first introduced into this earth by John the Baptist. Before the law of Moses, before Abraham was called out, God has had a sermon that has been preaching the glory of His grace from the dawning of time. And, uh, and we can see in that, that same discourse 
We can see by the by the views of it and what God sets in order for us and how we are to view it. That most people don't, you know, we sometimes we just get up and live and we forget that 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 God that this is a sermon that nobody can avoid. You can't avoid this sermon. If you're alive, you can't avoid it. You're going to get it every day. And uh and, and, and so, so David says that they have a sound, they have a voice. Now, I, don't, I do not hear these things audibly. I don't expect you to do either. I don't expect God's creation, uh, what we are, what's under consideration here, to speak audibly. But yet we do find in the writings of David that day unto day will utter a speech, and night unto night, uh, night showeth knowledge. And there's not a speech nor language where their voice is not heard. It doesn't matter where you live out on this earth. This sermon is going to reach you. And, uh, and it will be in harmony with the truth that is in Christ Jesus. It will not contradict it. So that, uh, <clears throat> so that the folks of old, if they would pay attention, just like if, if we pay attention, we can, just as Paul said in Romans chapter 1. Now this, <clears throat> in Romans chapter 1, Paul says that the invisible things of Him, of God, from the creation of all things on the earth are clearly seen. Not barely and not obscurely, but clearly, easily, by the things that He hath made even His eternal power and His Godhead, or the divinity of God. You can understand God's divinity, His eternal power, by His creation. That's what Paul is saying. So, as he says, so then they are without excuse. Uh, and man, there is no excuse for mankind, not even from the dawning of day. <clears throat> they were without excuse of understanding God and how He works, understanding the very doctrine of grace. And it will show forth to be a discriminating doctrine of grace. When I mean that, <clears throat> and, and you know that, that discrimination is a, a term that is very, uh, very uh, well looked down upon, and it should be <coughs> when used uh, in the in the worldly form. And when it comes to God, if it is not for discriminating grace, there is none of us is going to go to heaven. There's not one person that's going to be in heaven if God did not have discriminating grace. Because there's not an individual that's worthy of it. There's nobody that, can, that can, can work his way there. He had to do it, and he had to do it purposely. He had to do it completely. Uh, he had to do it on, for his own sovereign glory. And that's what we see in this. We can see it all in this. Now, to lay this out in a, in a, in a little greater fashion uh, to, uh, to, to help us to understand, what are we talking about that, that preaches day in and day out, or speaks at night. What is uh, and, uh what is what are the the things that are under consideration? Well, what what it what is the bridegroom that comes out of his chamber every morning? It's the sun, isn't it? It's the sun. What uh what comes out at night? The moon does. The moon comes out at night. And then there's a, there's also a talking about the earth, the inhabitants. Of what? The earth. There's not a place on the earth, 
no voice nor language on the earth that their voice is not heard. <clears throat> so if we, if we can look at sun, moon, and earth, we can see that the, the gospel of God, that they preach themselves. And, and they, don't, they don't ever get it wrong. You know, they, these, these elements that we're talking about, and they never get it wrong. They never preach the untruth. They always, it's the same theme over and over and over and over because God's unchanging. His way of salvation has never altered. People were not saved under the Old Testament by one way, under the New Testament by another way. You did not, if, if there was not a word spoken, all right, if the mystery of God was not given, you could take this and still understand greatly about your God and how sovereign He is. Now, first of all, the, 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 the psalmist rightly does describe the bridegroom as being the son. Now, Jesus Christ himself refers to himself as the bridegroom. To John the Baptist said, Can the children of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Now, Christ is referred to in the Bible several times as the son. So, we talked about uh, cold dead types and shadows. The son is a type of Christ. And we'll prove that because he says he is. Now, when, when the Lord Jesus Christ strictly says He is, then you can rest assured He is exactly what He says He is. And uh, so, so the Son is, a, is like the bridegroom. Now, the, the Son, uh, Jesus Christ, is described in the Scripture several times. First of all, let's go, to the, uh, let's go to the first chapter of the book of Luke in the 78th verse. All right? Now let's listen to Zacharias, who is under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. So he's not just speaking uh, arbitrarily. Uh, he's not speaking just, you know, coming up with words and thinking, trying to fill up some time. He, he is filled with the Holy Ghost. So everything he is speaking is to the glory of God and is for a lesson for us. And listen to what he says. Talking about his, his own son now in the 76th verse. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. Thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Now notice what the preacher can do. To give knowledge of salvation. He cannot give it, but he can give knowledge of salvation unto his people. To the people of God. <clears throat> By the remission of their sins. That is going to be their salvation. Their sins have to be remitted, and he's, he can tell you, and a good preacher would tell you how that is accomplished. Through the tender mercy of God, this is all through the tender mercy of God, whereby the day spring, and that word literally means the sun rising. The sun rising. The sun rising hath visited us to give light. And what does the sun do but give light? I mean, it, it's pretty obvious that, that when it rises in the morning, the earth starts getting light, doesn't it? To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So, so he is a captain. See, this, this, this bridegroom is also a captain, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, there's one place in the, in the uh, fourth chapter of Malachi, 
Uh, this is the last prophet before the New Testament. If you want to turn there, if you, uh, I know folks like to write, and, and that's good. Uh, so in the fourth chapter of, of Malachi, the, the prophet talks about a day coming in which uh, shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall uh, be stubble. And the, day that, uh, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name, now notice, unto you that fear my name, shall the Son of Righteousness, and notice the spelling, it is S-U-N. It is not S-O-N. It is S-U-N. And yet it speaks of him as a person. Shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. So there's two places that the, that the Lord is referred to as a son, or, or the son as a type of the Lord. Now in the book of Second uh, Peter, let's just go on to Second Peter. <clears throat> Peter is talking about the time of the Mount of Transfiguration, when the apostles were James and John and Peter were allowed to go up, told by the Lord to come see. Uh, and he talks about even though we see this, even though we saw the, the glory of Jesus Christ, and by the way, when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, the, the Bible describes his face as shining as the sun in its glory. The sun in its glory. He says in the 18th verse, And this voice we heard, well, which was, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, in the 17th. And this voice which we heard from heaven, this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. we got a more sure thing to tell you because you and I didn't see this, did we? Did, were you at the Mount of Transfiguration? You were not. And yet there is a sure word of prophecy of God's word to confirm to us that not only did that event happen, but that Jesus Christ was certainly God in the flesh and what the gospel describes of him and teaches of him is the way of salvation. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arises in your heart. Now it is imperative that <clears throat> we take heed to the gospel. It's imperative that, that, the, uh, that, that we simply receive the light. I'm, I'm going to get into that a little bit in greater detail because not everybody can receive it. All right? now it this is, remember, this salvation, this knowledge of salvation was to be given to the people of God. Uh, and, and it is until the day dawn, what happens when the dawn of day, as the sun comes up, the day star arises in your heart. And Christ is the day star. He is, a, he is exactly that because that's what he says. And the last place we'll go is in the 22nd chapter of Revelations. All right, so when the Lord himself describes himself as a day star or the morning star. In the 16th verse of, of uh of chapter 22 in the book of Revelations, I, Jesus, have, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. 
I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. That is ample evidence. That's enough. That's four places. And, and there, there's more that we could go to that, that alludes to this. So there's four places that Jesus Christ refers to himself or is referred to as the day star, the morning star. And the scientists have it right. It is a star. Uh, they, they, you know, the, God named it a star long before they did. And it comes up in the morning. And it gives light. Now, Jesus Christ, when he describes himself as the morning star, and he's described as the day star or the sun rising, or the sun of righteousness. Let's look at that now with a little closer view. And remember our text, that this thing preaches every day. The sun day unto day, day unto day. Does it speak the same theme over and over? Uh, <clears throat> now the, the sun within itself uh, uh, is an amazing thing to consider. Did you know if the sun quit shining, if it stopped shining right now in roughly, I think it's eight and a half minutes, the last beams of light that it, that it gives out, would be gone. In one day, the earth's core, or not the core, but the, 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 the ground that we walk on, would be negative 5 degrees Fahrenheit. In one day. In one year, it would be negative 400 degrees Fahrenheit. There could be no life. Photosynthesis would be gone. Isn't it amazing how the designer of all things uses the sun as the source of heat and light. That without it, there is no life. We could not exist without the sun. How great and how wonderful it is. So, so you know, Solomon says that, that light is sweet and how pleasant it is for the eyes to behold the sun. You know, darkness is, is not my friend. I don't, you know, when it, when it gets dark and, those, and the days in the wintertime get long, I mean, uh, the nights get long, the days get short, you know, it's my least favorite time of year. I'll just go ahead and admit it. I enjoy sunshine. I, I enjoy the light. And, and, and you can ask my family, when, when it gets temperatures are up, I, I want to be outside even drinking our coffee and go to the front porch if it's warm enough. I just enjoy the light. Uh, the, you know, the, the sun is, is not just optional for our existence. It, it is imperative for our existence. Now, it has a brightness to it. Does it not? Let me ask you this. And Skyla is a is a, works for the uh, an optometrist, uh, and, and maybe she knows. <clears throat> how long would it be? <laughs> she's shaking her head. No. Uh, how long would it be, Skyla, if you were to stare at the bright sun before he went blind? Not very long. Not very long. You cannot behold the glory of that sun on this earth, can you? In other words, you, you have to have something to temper its glory. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ, to God Himself? So when Paul says we see through a glass darkly, now if you put, if you're, if you put sun, uh, sunshades, which is, you know, if they're, more, if they're powerful enough, 
You can actually behold the sun. But you're not getting the full glory of it. You have to temper the sun or you'll go blind. No man in this form and state here can look on God and live. That's what God says. His glory is too brilliant. He's just too amazing. There, there's just not words for him. And, and Paul would be raised to the third heaven to see things that he can't even describe with his voice. Has no, has no means of being able to convey what he saw in that glory. So that, uh, so that in that same man, when he was Saul of Tarsus, you remember what he said concerning seeing the Lord Jesus Christ? Remember what happened to, to, the, uh, to Saul of Tarsus when he said, And I saw the glory of the Lord as the sun. And what happened to him? He was blind. He made him go blind for three days. And the man went blind. And that was Jesus Christ he looked at. It wasn't this ball of fire burning. That was Christ Jesus he saw made him go blind. So when we say we see through a glass darkly to see the sun, that's really what we do. And that, and that the gospel tempers Jesus Christ to the point that sinners like us can understand Him. That we can actually comprehend the glory of God as seeing Him that way. And uh, one of these days, friends, you're going to be able to behold Him uh, with better eyes than what you have right now. You're going to be able to see the fullness of Him and it will not kill you. <clears throat> we, uh, <clears throat> you know, we, we just can't comprehend but we do get bits and pieces. And it, it is, it's imperative that we get these bits and pieces. It's imperative that we have that day star to rise in our heart. And that light to shine into a dark place. Because if it does not, guess what you are by nature? You are dark by nature. You are an enemy to God. You're an enemy to the sun. All right, which brings us uh, to, the, to the next object. Now, I want to get the, this object out of the way first, and I want to talk about the last one. And we're going to, we're going to deal more with the sun also. Alright, so what rules the night? Remember what God put in, the, in creation that rules the night? The moon rules the night. The, uh, the moon is uh, a creation of God. Alright? We all believe that. Now, does the moon... Absorb the light. No. Can anything grow on the moon? No. It is still dust. You know, when, when Mr. Armstrong stepped out on the on that moon, and I've just seen videos of, of course I wasn't I was I was one year from being born uh, in nineteen sixty-nine. <clears throat> but when he when he hits that the surface of the moon and that powder just comes up. The moon was not created to bear fruit or to bear anything. Its creator did not design it to. So the moon cannot absorb the light. The moon can reflect it and that's the best it can do. It has a reflection of the light. Has no means of taking the glorious sun, the day dawn, the sun rising, the day spring, the day star and using any of that power to produce anything back to that sun, for the glory of that sun. Because, you know, we can't do it without it. We've, we've proved the scientists, and they're right, if, if, if it quits shining, you know, darkness is here eight and a half minutes, death is going to follow quickly. And so, and so the moon 
is like mankind. The moon is like mankind, is like us, before we are born of God. We can only reflect, in other words, we can only display a reflection of the Lord by keeping His laws. We can. We can do that much. In fact, Solomon says, this is the conclusion of the whole matter, but to fear God, to keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Just because because mankind does not do the commandments does not relinquish them from it being a command to them. It does not alleviate the commandment. In fact, it only aggravates the wrath of God against them to a greater extent because of their rejection and their disobedience. And that is what all mankind is when when described as the moon. So the best that we can ever be on this earth as being dead in sins is we could reflect the law of God. You know, there was a time when... uh, when, when you would hear folks say, I, I remember when you know, we used to sleep with our doors unlocked and our windows open. Never did feel like we were unsafe because people had a respect for the laws of God. There was a time, uh, there was a time on this earth uh, when... Uh, now, now, listen. <laughs> All I know is, a, is, a, is, is America. That's the only place I ever lived and that's the only place I want to live. And, and my time of life goes back to 1970. And that's it. Before that, somebody's got to tell me what happened. Somebody's got to tell me because I wasn't here. But I can read in the Bible. This is a good history book. All right? and, and, and men were wicked in the Bible just like they are wicked now. Wickedness is nothing new. The first born individual of Adam and Eve slew his brother. Right? And why did he kill him? Because God accepted Abel's offering and himself. And it made the guy jealous. Cain got jealous. Just jealousy. Put him in a fit of rage. He took his brother's life. <clears throat> but in, in, in time, there have been periods in time. In my time. All right, there's periods in my time. Because that's what I can go back to. Somebody else tells me something in their time, I can only believe it as true or false. If it depends on the person telling. So if my granddaddy would have told me, you know, back in the 1940s, you know, we, we, we didn't have locks on our doors. In the 1940s, you rarely heard of, of violence. In the 1940s, uh, the churches were full. The old Baptists were just filled up with people. Uh, you know, in the 19, uh, 1940s, there's something, I think, called Sunday Law. Uh, you just couldn't do things. There was such a reverence for God. Now, you fast forward to 2022. And even in my time from 1970, and I didn't really know about things until I started you know, learning and, and got old enough, but there's been a huge change. In the minds of men, even since 1970. <clears throat> and in those times when it seems like mankind, in general, keep God's law, it's like when the moon is full. So when the moon is full, 
there's a full reflection of that light. When you go outside at night and, and you see a full moon, there is more light on the earth at nighttime at that time than any other time. I'm talking about natural light. But remember, that moon is not absorbing a bit and using it at all. It is only reflecting the glory of that sun, and it gives a beam of that sun, though very obscure compared to the sun itself. But there's more safety on this earth. Now, and you know, when, uh, when, the, when the moon looks like a little toenail, you know, there's a little toenail on the end, and the rest of it's dark, you walk outside... And there's not as much light. That's, that's like mankind who do not keep the law of God. That's, like, that's kind of like the day we live in now. When there's, when there, when there's, when there's more danger. Because, because what? Men love darkness rather than light, don't they? That's what the Bible says. I just, you just have to believe what the Bible says. Uh, people will argue with that. People will say there's a little good in everybody. You know, you just you got you got this war going on between and everybody between good and evil. There's, there's God in you. There's devil in you. And you make your decision on who you're going to follow. Uh, that's not true. All right, that's not true. And, 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 and this doctrine, this sermon has been preached since the dawn of time that that is not true. That we are naturally unable to take the beams of the sun and to use them for anything at all. They simply cannot do what they are not created to do. All right. And then there is the earth. The earth's different than the moon. All right, the earth is different than the moon. The earth was created by its creator to take in what the sun gives out and use that to the glory of its creator. So, so when God made this earth, everything in it he made was already here. You know, the, uh, the trees were made, they may, they may have looked 150 year old. Uh, and, and they had, they had uh, if they're oak trees, they had acorns on them. And guess what? Those acorns would fall off. They'd fall off, they'd get into the soil, and you know what's in that soil? Necessary nutrients. So that when the sun's beams came down, and the germination of that acorn came, there was a tree coming up. Some trees produced fruit. The fruit, the, the, the seed was in itself, in the fruit. So the fruit, fruit falls off. Guess what? That seed gets into the ground. And guess what happens after that? The sun comes out. It gets some moisture. There you go. You got now another tree growing that's going to produce fruit. Everything that is in the earth, God made it so that it can take what the sun gives and absorb it. The scientists say that the moon reflects the sun and the earth absorbs the sun. That's nothing new. That's been going on since the dawn of time. And this teaches the doctrine of sovereign grace. It teaches discriminating grace. If God had not made an earth to where it can take the sun's rays and use them to the glory of that sun. All of this is to the glory of the Creator, by the way. <clears throat> that, uh, that, the, that the earth would not be able to. So, so you know, uh, a lot of, if you really think about it, most all the other religions kind of would favor, uh, now they would argue with me, and let me say this with, with, a, with a grain of salt and charity. I don't, I'm not saying they believe in evolution, all right? <clears throat> but if you think about it, that if the earth had to evolve 
to the point where it made itself able to receive the beams of the sun. That kind of favors most doctrines of men, doesn't it? That we simply make ourselves able to receive. We that the, that the earth itself, just by just you know, by what means I don't know. You know, I've never figured it out. <laughs> I can't figure out how how anything could evolve from from what they say happened to what we have today. It just doesn't make sense to me. And 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 it doesn't make sense. And they have no way to really explain it. But you know. We believe that God created the earth. And he created it to be able to bear fruit, to bear food, to grow things. Now, uh, the scripture says that if any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature or a new, uh, that he is a new creation. Notice, Notice now, the, the sequence of the language. If any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature or a new creation. Behold, all things are new to this individual. This individual now has, is a creation of God that he wasn't before. Before he could reflect the law of God, the best he could do was to be obedient to the law. He could, he could go to church. If mom and daddy takes me and go to church, uh, you know, he can, he can, uh, he can be a, a nice football coach. He can be a basketball coach. He can be a Cub Scout leader and still obey the law. <coughs> well, he could be a real estate agent, a, a retired TVA man. He could be the father of five. Still obeying the law, reflecting the law of God, being a good citizen but never ever able to bear anything to the glory of God because he is not created to, at least not yet. Now, every one of the Lord's people that he had chosen in Christ before the world began will be changed. They will be made a new creature. So the Lord Jesus Christ says that the wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but you cannot tell from whence it cometh and where it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit of God in the same way God does it by His own power and design. And it is at a time of love in their life when the Lord meets them and makes them a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now when that happens, they're, they're literally a new creature. They're a new creation. Now, because they are a new creation, there's something in them now that receives something from the Son of God. There's something in them now that can receive the day star, that looks forward to the rising sun. There's something in them now that can produce a fruit back to them. You know that, that, that Christ said Himself, if you do not make the tree good, it cannot produce good fruit. That makes sense, doesn't it? Can, can, you, can, can you go out here to, a, to this uh, a tree sitting on the side of this hill and expect to get a plum off of it? You can't. Why? It's not a plum tree. It's not a plum tree. You can't expect to get something 
off of something that that thing cannot produce because it was not created to produce it. But now, what if there is a plum tree out here? You can go and you can expect it to make a plum for you. So you cannot expect good works from somebody that God has not made good and able to produce them. Because we are not naturally good. In fact, we are naturally not good. None good. None righteous. There's not a good man on this earth, says Solomon, that doeth good and sinneth not. David says, Lord, if thou wast to mark iniquities, who can stand? Who can stand? You see... If God has never changed an individual, the individual cannot produce something that that the religious world demands. The religious world demands that the the dead sinner or the one that's like a moon who can do nothing but reflect the the sunlight from from the beams of that great day star and expect them to do something that they have not the power to do. This sermon's been going on for years. It hasn't changed. When you go out tonight, if if the clouds are not out, you go out and you look at the moon, check it out and see how much is shining. Look at the earth then on how much light there is. Then look the next day when the sun comes up, look at the difference. And then then take a look at the earth. Now, I want to to, uh, talk a little bit more about good fruits because I do not want to convey the idea that just because the earth or an individual is created to do something, that they're going to do it. Now, and because of what we still see, it is the same sermon for us, for the Lord's people. Now, what is, what does the sun? As, as, as the sun is the fixed object, right? It, now, for those of you who have been in science, and, and these youngins back here have been in school a whole lot sooner before uh, 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 than, than I was, in science, they teach you the sun is unchanging. That's pretty amazing, ain't it? It's a good example of Christ. I am God and I change not. <clears throat> what then is the what is moving? What is the constant moving thing? It is the earth. It is the earth that spins on its axis. Now, when, when the earth, it makes a rotation in 24 hours, all of you know this, but there, there's a reason, again, <laughs> you know, this, this, this sermon is, uh, is something that, that, that has been going on for, for generations and generations, that the sun stays still, it is a fixed object, Christ is fixed, the earth is the spinning thing. So at nighttime, now just because, now there is sleep, there is a reason in a natural sense and I am glad for nighttime in that. Okay, I have to have some sleep. Everybody has to have sleep. There is a reason why that the sun or that the earth in our area turns its back on the sun in that sense so that we can go to bed. And, and there's scripture for that. <laughs> we, we won't go into that part. Spiritually speaking, though, Paul says, Ye are not the children of night but the children of day. The children of night, he says, uh, they, they do evil in the night. They are drunken in the night. 
He says, but you are not of the night, you are of the day. So as, as the example goes now, if we look at our earth and we take it spin 24 hours, when do you feel like the, that, that you enjoy your life the most? Is it not in the day? When you're awake, when you're, when you're conversing with those that you love. You're up out of bed and you, and you, and you go about the business of the day. So, which, which shows that when the sun or when the earth, that part we live on, is facing the sun, we have a better life, do we not? It's more enjoyable. There's a reason for that. Now, also, if you take the earth's spin, and it, it again, 24 hours makes, her, makes one revolution, and yet we are continually going around the sun, making that continual revolution as we orbit the sun. And that depends on which hemisphere that we live in, the earth tilts. Now, when the earth tilts away from the sun, this is your result on our hemisphere. Can anything grow? Does anybody plant when it's going to be 24 degrees in the morning? You know, can, is there fruit to be grown? Do, can I go out? You know, my old fruit trees are bare right now. They're just ugly old bare trees. There's, the, old, the leaves on them have fallen off. They just they sit out there. They're not even pleasant to look at. That describes us when we tilt away from the sun. When we tilt away from the sun, we don't bear fruit. When, when, uh, when we oscillate uh, continually going around and, and our backs are to the sun and we tilt away from the sun, we cease to bear fruit like the Creator commands us to do. That's how important sunlight is. That's how important the day star, the day spring, the, uh, 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 the morning star is to every child of God. You cannot do this without it. I mean, you cannot work any works of righteousness without being facing the Son of God, receiving His beef, just like this earth cannot produce fruit this time of year. It just can't do it. Now, you know, winter wheat, things like that, you know, there are some winter things, but all in all, you know, when, when, the, when the earth tilts away from the sun, I think it's like 22 degrees. 22 degrees tilt away. Things go bare. They go barren. Now, the Apostle Peter talks about this this way. When, and uh, this is in 2 Peter, first chapter. He talks about adding to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness uh, brotherly love, to brotherly love charity. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, what makes us to be unbearing is using the things that God has given us. They, not only they must they be in you, but they must abound. You've got to put them out. You know, it, it's, it's a, you know, can you imagine? You know, and I'm, I'm a gardener. I'm a gardener, and that, that's, that's, a, that's all I ever, you know, uh, give myself credit for. I'm not a farmer like Brother Eric. Eric's a farmer. I'm a gardener. There's a big difference. But can you imagine if I go out and I spend time and time, day in and day out, and I plant, and nothing ever comes up? How frustrated that would be to me as a gardener. 
Or, or if Eric planted over and over and over and he kept planting the seed, never a spring of corn, never a soybean, and he just walks around and says, man, these things are not coming up like I wanted them to do. Now, on that scale, that would be frustrating to us. Can you imagine on the scale of your Creator? Of what He puts in you and I to do. And it doesn't get done. The fruit that God expects, He doesn't receive. The sunlight, because we tilt away, we have a natural attraction back to darkness. This is a constant battle, y'all. That, that's, that, you know, th- this, sermon, this, this sermon that goes on day in and, and, and day out, night in and night out, that there, there's not a place on the earth that their voice is not heard, simply does not change. It doesn't change. And, there, and, the, and, and, and the examples that God's creation gives us are absolutely sure. So when Jesus Christ uh, talks in, in uh, the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John as the vine, I am the vine, you are the branches, us, mankind. He says, any branch in me that does not bear fruit, my hu- the husband and my father will sever him from me. Does that sound pleasant to anybody? It doesn't sound pleasant to me. Now, we, we, we look over scriptures like that as, ah, you know, we're, we're, that don't mean me. Yes, it means me. It means me. It means you. It means, all, it means everyone that he has created to bear fruit. The way that we bear fruit is abiding in the vine. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. For without me, ye can do nothing. In other words, if you do not face the sun, if you are not receiving instruction, if you are not receiving the light, if you are not receiving the heat, if you are not receiving what He gives, then you will not give what He demands. You cannot do it. So so time with Jesus Christ is essential. Do not turn your back. We have tendencies to turn our back like like the earth. We have tendencies to rotate. We have tendencies to tilt. But look at it. <laughs> I mean, look what happens when we rotate and we tilt. Nothing. We don't bear anything. The, the uh, churches dry up. Um, when, when, you, when, when the Lord's people don't bear uh, fruit to the Lord, then, then the, uh, the, uh, the places, their communities start getting uh, more dangerous. Their nation becomes less at peace, more confused. You know why the people are confused today? <laughs> you know, and there's a huge amount of confusion in the United States. They just turned it back on the sun. Now, those who are not born of God should reflect the law. They should keep the law of God. That is their duty. If they don't do that, there should be laws in the land that punishes for evil doing. And we've actually stopped doing that. In a lot of places, you can't punish people if they go, you know, break down uh, somebody's business or run in and, and with a, a flash mob, you know, what goes on out in California. People just go out and just, they just go in and, and herds and take folks' stuff that they've worked their life to build their business. They just steal their stuff and then, and then those, uh, you know, folks just keep their hands in their pockets and say, well, you can't do anything about it. 
The problem is, <laughs> once you start that, it's hard to ever change. It's hard to ever get back. That's why it's, it's imperative. But I am more concerned with the earth than I am the moon. Now, the earth is us. The earth can bear fruit. The earth is God's children. The earth needs the sun. Do you remember in the days of Joshua, when Joshua was fighting the Amorites and those kings that had risen up against the Gibeonites, the people that, that Israel had made a league with, promised them protection, and that these kings and all these were going to, to slaughter the Gibeonites? <clears throat> this is strange. <laughs> but Joshua told God to let it stay daytime. And it says that the sun did not move. In other words, God just stopped the rotation of this earth. He just stopped it. So that the sun was out for nearly two whole days in a row. So Joshua and the Israelites can defeat their enemies. Now that, that ought to be a lesson to us. That when the sun is giving us what we need, we can defeat our enemies. And, it, and uh, the Bible says, and that was a day that has never been nor ever shall be like it, that God would hearken unto the voice of a man. But it was all because the enemy needs defeated. You can't do it at night. You got that. Joshua knew that. Joshua knew that you lose your advantage at night. So God stopped the earth. You had two full days of sunlight. Nearly full two days of sunlight. And they won. They won the battle. They won the battle. Now, it, just, just by looking at the creation of God, by looking at how all of this operates, does it not teach us that, that the sun is absolute and unchanging and there can be no life without it? Does it not teach us that there is an object, there are objects that can reflect its light, but cannot, cannot bear fruit, cannot absorb its beams nor use them to the glory of that sun. And yet, because God has created an object to do that, it can, called the earth. And yet this theme, this doctrine that has been preached for generations and generations, is known only by a few people. By a few. Called the Primitive Baptist. Now, because we know it, doesn't give us a right to refuse it. Because we know it really does the opposite. Paul said that the love of Christ constrained him, which was why the, the Apostle Paul was willing to die for doing what you and I are doing right now. It, this, this, this wonderful doc, this theme of sovereign grace, that God chooses us and has chosen us for His own glory. Before the world was even formed. That you, you are an object of God's affection. That God chooses us and gives us the source of our light freely and fully. And that we are to bear 
fruit unto that source. You know, that, that's the most important thing you'll ever do on this earth. The President of the United States, whoever he is at whatever time he's a president, does not have as high an office unless he holds the office of a son of God, but does not have a high office as you have and as every child of grace. Now, let us all consider how important, how imperative it is for us as the objects that God has created to face the sun, to not turn the back, to not tilt away, to bear fruit. It takes work. It takes labor. It takes forsaking of yourself. It takes a loss of your life. I don't mean a physical loss. You don't go home and kill yourself today. That's not what I mean. I mean it takes you to give yourself up to the service of the Son. It takes you to do it because you love Him. And because He commands it. Because the Son does have commands. He has commands for every one of us. And, uh, and may God give us all the grace. And it takes grace to serve God, y'all. It does. It's nothing that can be done. In fact, when, when left to ourselves and our own devices, we simply tilt away. It's our natural attraction is to go away, to go away, to go away, to turn. But when we receive the instructions, we do the commandments, and the reason we do them is because he says to Anybody ever disobey their dad purposely and did not expect to get in trouble? I, I did. Graham, you, you never did it and didn't expect to get in trouble, did you? Skyla, no. Mm -mm. Bryce, when you dis when dis when disobey Bubba, you expect to get in trouble because he he gives you a command, just like Kenneth Lofton gave, tell me to do something. He expected me to do it. And our Heavenly Father is no different. In fact, is that there is a, a greater magnitude when we deny the Heavenly Father. Uh, we'll get in trouble. And it will come. The same God that promises eternal life freely and fully promises also rods of correction, promises of severance from the vine, promises of a appointing us a portion with the unbelievers. I don't want those things. Do you want those things? I don't want those things. It's the same God that promises. So let us let us all continue in the face of the sunlight. Let's bear fruit together. You know that all that ought to be our consent as Buffalo Primitive Baptist Church that our resolution for 2022 is that we will just bear fruit. We'll do, what, we'll do exactly what the sun that has created, created us and gives us light and, and, and heat to do. We'll just do it together as a unit, as a family called Buffalo Primitive Baptist Church. May God richly bless you.